Appalachia. Appalachia is a very distinct word, and everybody has their own opinion of what it represents. Moreover, though, whether it's right or wrong, it stirs up images of everything from indescribable mountaintop beauty, deep forest, and cabins in the wood to trailer parks, meth heads, extreme prejudice, and xenophobia. The fact that one word can bring up such a huge response is an owed to its far-reaching influence in society. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world. They once towered 30,000 feet into the air and currently stretch from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. The inhabitants of these mountains through the many years of their existence have lived through and witnessed what can only be described as horrendous, demeaning, and even downright unbelievable history as we are now learning every day is not exactly what we've been told and what was once thought to be nothing more than fairy tale is now coming to light as truth. I often hear references to the movie Deliverance or people making funny banjo sounds when describing the Appalachians. I, being born and raised in these mountains, know that nothing in fact could be more wrong or, in some cases, more right. The history that lies in these mountains is rich and has been around longer than any place in the United States. In fact, far longer than the United States itself. We'll look into these mountains and learn about the good, the bad, and the ugly history that lies within them to this very day. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley, and this is Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. Howdy, my good friends. Thank you for stopping by today. Back in my hometown in southwest Virginia, there was a little store called Jim Dandy Market. We used to go down there and get some of the best roasted chicken you could eat. That was way before anybody had ever heard of what they call rotisserie chicken today. The lady that ran the place, Miss Gata, had built herself a, what looked like a rotisserie oven and roasted the chickens herself. She had barbecue and butter roasted flavors nearly all day long there used to be an old man that sat out in front of the store his name was Huskle T he was retired from the N&W Railroad and still wore his bibbed overalls and engineer cap he claimed to be Miss Gata's official chicken taster among anything else he could dream up to tell you yeah as you might guess his bull got pretty deep sometimes so come on in set a spell and let Huskle T tell you one today. You know, boy, I used to work on the railroad. Used to take them big long trains up and down the rails and loaded the bejesus belts with all kind of stuff. Made a pretty good living doing it, too. So back in 48, just after the war, I saved up a little bit of money, you know, and bought a new Mercury. No, there weren't no plastic in it. It was 3,500 pounds of pure virgin Detroit steel. One of them nice ones, too. It was fast. No boy, it wasn't no Gulf War. It was World War II, the big one. People today ain't got no idea what really happened then. We literally walk around 
not knowing for about four years if we was going to wake up to President Hitler and have to eat sauerkraut for breakfast. People won't walk around today talk about how Hitler had pretty good ideas. They wouldn't know Hitler if he goose-stepped right up to their face and slapped a taste out their mouth. Yeah, but getting back to the story, I got a call like they did back then for me to make a run up to Ohio and back. Supposed to pull out about 2.30 in the morning and probably be back at 6 o'clock the next evening. Oh, you little panty-waisted people don't know nothing about working them hours now, do you? No, you don't. Anyway, I got my run done early and thought I'd head home and spend some time with my wife, maybe take the new car out for a drive. I walked in the front door, heard the awful bunch of screaming and caterwauling I ever heard coming out the bedroom. I thought somebody was choking my wife to death. Turns out I was right. Tommy Cromer, from, who worked over at the post office, was choking all right, but not with his hands. It was a little bit more like a mother bird feeding a worm to its babies. And I'll leave you to figure that part out. Anyway, he grabbed his britches, jumped out the window, and ran off naked. My wife jumped up in my face, said it was all my fault. She was leaving, going to take half everything I earned, including my pension. Now, I didn't say nothing then, but I thought you got some nerve. Take my pension after doing all this. So we'll just see about that. I remember my grandpappy telling me about a woman what lived up in the hollow off a door highway back there. For $10, she would put a root on somebody for you. Yes, boy, a root. A hex, a jinx, a curse, whatever you call it nowadays. Well, I had my $10, and I headed up to see the woman in order to order myself up one root. I got to the woods there, and the shack went 10 feet off the side of the road, but straight up a dadgum cliff. So I had to follow a pig path for about two hours winding myself up to that place. I tell you now, many of you little weaklings would have quit but, and went back home, but heck, I, I was mad. I got there, walked up to the front door, and before I could even touch the door to knock, voice comes out saying, Hey, won't. Come on in. Scared me almost to death. So I walk in and the room was dark except honeysuckle candles burning everywhere so you could see a little bit. First thing I saw was four big coyote dogs walking toward me with their teeth all sticking out, ready to rip me apart. About that time, I sees the woman, Miss Oranda, sitting in what looked like a twisted-up mess of wrought iron, bent up into a chair what looked like a throne. Had bats hanging on it, one of them upside-down stars they called a pentagrass or whatever they, heck they call it, hanging right over her head. Woman was wearing a fighting rooster on her head like a cap. I still don't know if it was dead or alive, but that bird didn't so much as bat her eyeball the whole time I was there. She was sitting there, didn't have a stitch of clothes on, was about six foot nine, weighed about 325 pounds. More hair on her chest than I got, and I got enough to weave a rug and big enough to cover the bathroom floor. She looked like she'd been rubbed down in oil said it was mentholatum deep heating rub to keep the fleas and lice down. Had each foot stuck in a five-gallon bucket of her own pee. 
<laughs> said it got ready to itch. Both buckets were sitting on a rug and looked like a big Ouija board. To beat it all, she was smoking a cigar. All of a sudden, she whips out what looked like a back scratcher shaped like a skeleton arm. Heck, it might have been a real skeleton arm for all I know. She commenced to whack whacking and beating on them coyotes and saying, Shut down, shut up. She said she raised them from pups. She found them out in the woods after their mama left them. Said she breastfed each one of them herself. Whole room smelled like honeysuckle, mentholatum, cigar smoking, used hot dog water all put together. By this time, I'm scared to move. I thought about jumping out the window, but I knew them coyotes would run me down and probably rip me apart. The only thing I could think was, well, I'm in for a penny, in for a pound. I might as well ax her now anyway. So I says, Miss Oranda, I need to put a rut on my wife. She says, do you have any of her possessions? I said, yes, ma'am, because I'd grabbed my wife's panties off the bed and stuck them in my pocket. Anyway, I handed them to her, and she says, you got your $10? I says, yes, ma'am. She says, lay it on the floor right there between them buckets. Now, I got to tell you this much. After what I already seen, I wasn't about to bend over there and lay that $10 on the rug between her feet. That could have scarred me for life. So I drops it, and thank Lord in heaven above, it landed right between them buckets. She grabbed that skeleton hand back scratcher thing and started shoving that $10 bell around on the Ouija board and started chanting, John, John, chick-tang, chick-tang. Lifted that pair of panties up, bit the crotch right out of them and held it in her mouth and took a big drag off that cigar and held in the smoke and just sat there and stared a hole through me for about 15 minutes. Then all of a sudden, the chicken feathers started falling out of it Coyotes jumped up, walked sideways at me with their teeth all bared out. Blood started running down the walls, and the floor started shaking. I think, well, I guess my wife's going to get my pension after all. I'm fixing to die right here. Then Miss Oriana started shaking all over. Coyotes started howling. She started flailing on them with that skeleton stick, and then she reared back and spit right on that $10 bill. I'm telling you, it was like somebody took a mouthful of gasoline, spit it on a campfire. Flame licked up, took off my eyebrows. Then all of a sudden, it was quiet as a mausoleum during a military funeral. All she said was, it is done. So I eased out the door and run like a scared rabbit all the way back here to where you see me sitting now, boy. Got here by daybreak. Yes, back then I sit here too between trend runs. Somebody got to taste misguided chicken, make sure she got it right. Anyhow, I just got here myself and got me a big chew, red man, and lit a cigarette and tried to calm down. That's when I see my brand new Mercury flying in here like it was going to a fire, and Tommy Cromer was driving it. My wife was riding shotgun. Yeah, boy, it made me mad. What do you think? They squalled to a stop right over there, boy. My wife was out the car before it stopped. Stomped up here, put her crooked, bony little finger in my face, took a deep breath, and I thought, here it comes again. Then she turned purple and dropped over right there where you sitting, boy. Landed there like a sack of hammers. Old Morris Burton and Charlie Hughes pulled up in that first ambulance they had after they started that rescue squad up. 
Now, I remember Morris come up to me and he said, that's what they call a myocardial infraction. Said her heart exploded. She was dead before she hit the ground. So you best leave all that Ouija board mumbo-jumbo alone, boy. I'm here to tell you that stuff is dangerous. I'm living on my full pension now to prove it. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Huskel T. If you have, please rate and review the podcast. Don't forget to follow. Come on over to Facebook group Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend Podcast where we can discuss about anything Appalachian or whatever else you'd like to talk about. I'll be back on January 27th with Season 2 of Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend. I'll be seeing you real soon.